Section 12 of The Governess, or The Little Female Academy by Sarah Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Saturday, the sixth day. It was the custom on Saturdays to have no school in the afternoon, and it being also their writing day from morning school till dinner, Mrs. Teacham, knowing how eager Miss Jenny's hearers were for the rest of the story, accompanied them into the arbor early in the afternoon, when Miss Jenny went on as follows. The fairy tale continued. The queen and the princess Hebe remained, by the good fairy's desire, in her habitation during her absence. They spent their time in serenity and content, the princess daily improving herself in wisdom and goodness, by hearkening to her mother's instructions and obeying all her commands, and the queen in studying what would be of most use to her child. She had now forgot her throne and palace, and desired nothing for her than her present peaceful retreat. One morning, as they were sitting in a little arbor at the corner of a pleasant meadow, on a sudden they heard a voice, much sweeter than they had ever heard, warble through the following song. A song. Virtue, soft balm, of every woe, of every grief the cure. Tis thou alone that canst best bestow pleasures unmixed and pure the shady wood the verdant mead our virtues flowery road nor painful are the steps which lead to her divine abode tis not in palaces of halls she or their train appear far off she flies from pompous walls virtue and peace dwell here the queen was all attention and at the end of the song she gazed around her in hopes of seeing the person whose enchanting voice she had been so eagerly listening to when she espied a young shepherdess not much older than the princess hebe but possessed of such uncommon and dazzling beauty that it was some time before she could disengage her eyes from so agreeable an object as soon as the young shepherdess found herself observed she seemed modestly to offer to withdraw but the queen begged her not to go till she had informed them who she was that with such a commanding aspect had so much engaged them in her favour the shepherdess coming forward with a bashful blush and profound obedience answered that her name was rosella and she was the daughter of a neighbouring shepherd and shepherdess who lived about a quarter of a mile from thence and to confess the truth she had wandered thither in hopes of seeing the young stranger whose fame for beauty and wisdom had filled all that country round the princess hebe well knowing of whom she spoke conceived from that moment such an inclination for her acquaintance that she begged her to stay and spend the whole day with them in placid grove here the queen frowned upon her for she had by the fairy's desire charged her never to bring any one without her permission into that peaceful grove the young rosella answered that nothing could be more agreeable to her inclinations but she must be at home by noon for so in the morning had her father commanded her and never yet in her life had she either disputed or disobeyed her parents commands here the young princess looked on her mother with eyes expressive of her joy at finding a companion which she and even the fairy herself could not disapprove 
when rosella took her leave she begged the favor that the little hebe for so she called her not knowing her to be a princess might come to her father's small cottage and there partake such homely fare as it afforded a welcome she said she could ensure her and though poor yet from the honesty of her parents who would be proud to entertain so rare a beauty she was certain no sort of harm could happen to the pretty hebe from such a friendly visit and she would be in the same place again to-morrow to meet her in hopes as she said to conduct her to her humble habitation when rosella was gone the queen though highly possessed in her favour both by her beauty and modest behaviour yet pondered some time on the thought whether or no she was a fit companion for her daughter she remembered what sibella had told her concerning brunetta's adorning young shepherdesses with beauty and other excellences only to enable them the better to allure and entice others into wickedness rosella's beginning her acquaintance too with the princess by flattery had no good aspect and the sudden effect it had upon her so as to make her forget or wilfully disobey her commands by inviting rosella to placid grove were circumstances which greatly alarmed her but by the repeated entreaties of the princess she gave her consent that she should meet rosella the next day and walk with her in that meadow and in the wood but upon no account should she go home with her or bring rosella back with her the queen then in gentle terms chid the princess for her invitation to the young shepherdess which was contrary to an absolute command and said you must my dear hebe be very careful to guard yourself extremely well against those temptations which wear the face of virtue i know that your sudden affection to this apparent good girl and your desire of her company to partake with you the innocent pleasures of this happy place arise from a good disposition but where the indulgence of the most laudable passion even benevolence and compassion itself interferes with or runs counter to your duty you must endeavour to suppress it or it will fare with you as it did with that hen who thinking that she heard the voice of a little duckling in distress flew from her young ones to go and give it assistance and following the cry came at last to a hedge out of which jumped a subtle and wicked fox who had made that noise to deceive her and devoured her in an instant a kite at the same time taking advantage of her absence carried away one by one all her little innocent brood robbed of that parent who should have been their protector the princess promised her mother that she would punctually obey all her commands and be very watchful and observant of everything rosella said and did till she had approved herself worthy of her confidence and friendship the queen the next morning renewed her injunctions to her daughter that she should by no means go farther out of the wood than into the meadow where she was to meet rosella and that she should give her a faithful account of all that should pass between them they met according to appointment and the princess brought home so good an account of their conversation which the queen imagined would help to improve rather than seduce her child that she indulged her in the same pleasure as often as she asked it they passed some hours every day in walking round that delightful wood in which were many small green meadows with little rivulets running through them on the banks of which covered with primroses and violets rosella by the side of her sweet companion 
used to sing the most enchanting songs in the world. The words were chiefly in praise of innocence and a country life. The princess came home every day more and more charmed with her young shepherdess, and recounted, as near as she could remember, every word that had passed between them. The queen very highly approved of their manner of amusing themselves, but again enjoined her to omit nothing that passed in conversation, especially if it had the least tendency towards alluring her from her duty. One day, as the princess Hebe and Rosella were walking alone and talking as usual of their own happy state, and the princess was declaring how much her own happiness was owing to her thorough obedience to her mother, Rosella, with a tone of voice as half in jest, said, but don't you think my little hebe that if i take a very great pleasure in anything that will do me no hurt though it is forbidden i may disobey my parents in enjoying it provided i don't tell them of it to vex them with the thought that i have disobeyed them and then my dear what harm is done great harm answered the princess looking grave and half angry i am ashamed to hear you talk so rosella are you not guilty of treachery as well as disobedience neither ought you to determine that no harm is done because you do not feel the immediate effects of your transgression for the consequence may be out of our narrow inexperienced view and i have been taught whenever my mother lays any commands on me to take it for granted she has some reason for so doing and i obey her without examining what those reasons are otherwise it would not be obeying her but setting up my own wisdom and doing what she bid me only when i thought proper they held a long argument on this head in which rosella made use of many a fallacy to prove her point but the princess as she had not yet departed from truth nor failed in her duty could not be imposed upon rosella seeing every attempt to persuade her was in vain turned all her past discourse into a jest said she had only a mind to try her and was overjoyed to find her so steady in the cause of truth and virtue the princess resumed her usual cheerfulness and good humour rosella sung her a song in praise of constancy of mind and they passed the rest of the time they stayed together as they used to do but just before they parted rosella begged she would not tell her mother of the first part of the conversation that had passed between them the princess replied that it would be breaking through one of her mother's commands and therefore she dared not grant her request then said rosella here i must for ever part with my dear little hebe your mother not knowing the manner in which i spoke will have an ill opinion of me and will never trust you again in my company thus will you be torn from me and loss will be irreparable these words she accompanied with a flood of tears and such little tendernesses as quite melted the princess into tears also but she still said that she could not dare to conceal from her mother anything that had happened though she could not but own she believed their separation would be the consequence well then cried rosella i will endeavour to be contented as our separation will give you less pain than what you call this mighty breach of your duty and though i would willingly undergo almost any torments that could be invented rather than be debarred one moment the company of my dearest hebe 
yet i will not expect that she should suffer the smallest degree of pain or uneasiness to save me from losing what is the whole pleasure of my life the princess could not bear the thought of appearing ungrateful to such a warm friendship as rosella expressed and without farther hesitation promised to conceal what she had said and to undergo anything rather than lose so amiable a friend after this they parted but when the princess entered the grove she did not as usual run with haste and joy into the presence of her indulgent mother for her mind was disturbed she felt a conscious shame on seeing her and turned away her face as wanting to shun the piercing look of that eye which she imagined would see the secret lurking in her bosom her mother observed with concern her downcast look and want of cheerfulness and asking her what was the matter she answered her walk had fatigued her and she begged early to retire to rest her kind mother consented but little rest had the poor princess that whole night for the pain of having her mind touched with guilt and the fear she was under of losing her dear companion kept her thoughts in one continued tumult and confusion the fairy's gift now became her curse for the power of seeing what was right as she had acted contrary to her knowledge only tormented her she hastened the next morning to meet rosella and told her all that had passed in her own mind the preceding night declaring that she would not pass such another for the whole world but yet would not dispense with her promise to her without her consent and therefore came to ask her leave to acquaint her good mother with all that had passed for said she my dear rosella we must if we would be happy do always what is right and trust for the consequences here rosella drew her features into the most contemptuous sneer imaginable and said pray what are all these mighty pains you have suffered are they not owing only to your want of sense enough to know that you can do your mother no harm by concealing from her this or anything else that will vex her and my dear girl continued she when you have once entered into this way of thinking and have put this blind duty out of your head you will spend no more such restless nights which you must see was entirely owing to your own imaginations this startled the princess to such a degree that she was breaking from her but putting on a more tender air rosella cried and can you then my dear hebe determine to give me up for such a trifling consideration then raising her voice again in a haughty manner she said i ought to despise and laugh at you for your folly or at best pity your ignorance rather than offer a sincere friendship to one so undeserving the princess having once swerved from her duty was now in the power of every passion that should attack her pride and indignation at the thought of being despised bore more sway with her than either her duty or affection to her fond mother and she was now determined she said to think for herself and make use of her own understanding which she was convinced would always teach her what was right upon this rosella took her by the hand and with tears of joy said now my dearest girl you are really wise and cannot therefore according to your own rule fail of being happy but to show that you are in earnest in this resolution 
you shall this morning go home with me to my father's cot it is not so far off but you will be back by the time your mother expects you and as that will be obeying the chief command it is but concealing from her the thing that would vex her and there will be no harm done here a ray of truth broke in upon our young princess but as a false shame and fear of being laughed at had now got possession of her she with a soft sigh consented to the proposal rosella led the way but just as they were turning round the walk which leads out of the wood a large serpent darted from one side out of a thicket directly between them and turning its hissing mouth towards the princess as seeming to make after her she fled hastily back and ran with all her speed towards the grove and panting for breath flew into the arms of her ever kind protectress her mother was vastly terrified to see her tremble and look so pale and as soon as she was a little recovered asked her the occasion of her fright and added with tears running down her cheeks i am afraid my dear hebe some sad disaster has befallen you for indeed my child i but too plainly saw last night here the princess was so struck with true shame and confusion for her past behaviour that she fell down upon her knees confessed the whole truth and implored forgiveness for her fault the queen kindly raised her up kissed and forgave her i am overjoyed my dear child said she at this your sweet repentance though the effect of mere accident as it appears but sent without doubt by some good fairy to save you from destruction and i hope you are thoroughly convinced that the serpent which drove you home was not half so dangerous as the false rosella the princess answered that she was thoroughly sensible of the dangers she had avoided and hoped she never should again by her own folly and wickedness deserve to be exposed to the danger from which she had so lately escaped some days passed without the princess's offering to stir out of the grove and in that time she gave a willing and patient ear to all her mother's instructions and seemed thoroughly sensible of the great deliverance she had lately experienced but yet there appeared in her countenance an uneasiness which the queen wishing to remove asked her the cause of it is dear madam answered the princess because i have not yet had it in my power to convince you of my repentance which though i know it to be sincere you have had no proof of but in words only and indeed my heart longs for an occasion to show you that i am now able to resist any allurement which would tempt me from my duty and i cannot be easy till you have given me an opportunity of showing you the firmness of my resolution and if you will give me leave to take a walk in the wood alone this evening i shall return to you with pleasure and will promise not to exceed any bounds that you shall prescribe the queen was not much pleased with this request but the princess was so earnest with her to grant it that she could not well refuse without seeming to suspect her sincerity which she did not but only feared for her safety and giving her a strict charge not to stir a step out of the wood or to speak to the false rosella if she came in her way she reluctantly gave her consent the princess walked through all the flowery labyrinths in which she had so often strayed with rosella 
but she was so shocked with the thoughts of her wickedness that she hardly gave a sigh for the loss of a companion once so dear to her and as a proof that her repentance was sincere though she heard rosella singing in an arbor purposely perhaps to decoy her she turned away without the least emotion and went quite to the other side of the wood where looking into the meadow in which she first beheld that false friend she saw a girl about her own age leaning against a tree and crying most bitterly but the moment she came in sight the young shepherdess for such by her dress she appeared to be cried out oh help dear young lady help me for i am tied here to this tree by the spiteful contrivance of a wicked young shepherdess called rosella my hands too you see are bound behind me so that i cannot myself unloose the knot and if i am not released here must i lie all night and my wretched parents will break their hearts for fear some sad accident should have befallen their only child their poor unhappy florimel the princess hearing her speak of rosella in that manner had no suspicion of her being one of that false girl's deluding companions but rather thought that she was a fellow-sufferer with herself and therefore without any consideration of the bounds prescribed she hastened to relieve her and even thought that she should have great pleasure in telling her mother that she had saved the poor young shepherdess from rosella's malice and restored her to her fond parents but as soon as she had unloosed the girl from the tree and unbound her hands instead of receiving thanks for what she had done the wicked florimel burst into a laugh and suddenly snatching from the princess hebe's side her father's picture which she always wore hanging in a ribbon she ran away with it as fast as she could over the meadow the princess was so astonished at this strange piece of ingratitude and treachery and was so alarmed for fear of losing what she knew her mother so highly valued that hardly knowing what she was about she pursued florimel with all her speed begging and entreating her not to bereave her so basely and ungratefully of that picture which she would not part with for all the world but it was all to no purpose for florimel continued her flight and the princess her pursuit till they arrived at brunetta's castle gate where the fairy herself appeared dressed and adorned in the most becoming manner and with the most bewitching smile that can come from dazzling beauty invited the princess to enter her castle into which florimel was run to hide herself and promised her on that condition to make the idle girl restore the picture it was now so late that it was impossible for the princess to think of returning home that night and the pleasing address of brunetta together with the hopes of having her picture restored soon prevailed with her to accept of the fairy's invitation the castle glittered with gaudy furniture sweet music was heard in every room the whole company who were all of the most beautiful forms that could be conceived strove who should be most obliging to this their new guest they omitted nothing that could amuse and delight the senses and the princess hebe was so entranced with joy and rapture that she had not time for thought or for the least serious reflection and she now began to think that she had attained the highest happiness upon earth after they had kept her three days in this round of pleasure and delight they began to pull off the mask 
nothing was heard but quarrels jars and galling speeches instead of sweet music the apartments were filled with screams and howling for every one giving way to the most outrageous passions they were always doing each other some malicious turn and only universal horror and confusion reigned the princess was hated by all and was often asked with insulting sneers why she did not return to her peaceful grove and condescending mother but her mind having been thus turned aside from what was right could not bear the thoughts of returning and though by her daily tears she showed her repentance shame prevented her return but this again was not the right sort of shame for then she would humbly have taken the punishment due to her crime and it was rather a stubborn pride which as she knew herself so highly to blame would not give her leave to suffer the confusion of again confessing her fault and till she could bring herself to such a state of mind there was no remedy for her misery just as miss jenny had read these words mrs teacham remembering some orders necessary to give in her family left them but bid them to go on saying she would return again in a quarter of an hour but she was no sooner gone from them than our little company hearing the sound of trumpets and kettle-drums which seemed to be playing at some little distance from mrs teacham's house suddenly started from their seats running directly to the terrace and looking over the garden wall they saw a troop of soldiers riding by with these instruments of music playing before them they were highly delighted with the gallant and splendid appearance of these soldiers and watched them till they were out of sight and were then returning to their arbour where miss jenny had been reading but miss nanny spruce espied another such troop coming out of the lane from whence the first had issued and cried out oh here is another fine sight let us stay and see these go by too indeed said miss dolly friendly i am in such pain for the poor princess hebe while she is in that sad castle that i had rather hear how she escaped for that i hope she will than see all the soldiers in the world and besides it is but seeing the same thing we have just looked at before here some were for staying and others for going back but as miss dolly's party was the strongest the few were ashamed to avow their inclinations and they were returning to their arbour when they met mrs teacham who informed them their dancing master was just arrived and they must attend him but in the evening they must finish their story they were so curious and especially miss dolly friendly to know what was to become of the princess that they could have wished not to have been interrupted but yet without one word of answer they complied with what their governess thought most proper and in the evening hastening to their arbour mrs teacham herself being present miss jenny went on in the following manner End of section twelve